among friends, uh, I feel safe in your hands. So thanks for letting me be here with you today. Listen, we need to talk. How many stomach just dropped? <laughs> have you ever heard these words before? Yeah, we're uh, pretty much all of us have heard these words before. And I'm pretty sure that when you heard that, your stomach dropped a little bit remembering when you've heard those words before. Now, it depends on who's saying these words, right, as to how we feel about them. And chances are, if it's somebody that we don't know very well, well, we're probably not going to assume the worst. But I know that if Donovan were to come and say this to me, I'm going to feel a little bit nervous. Or if Pastor Daniel were to say this, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, he does say this sometimes, but it's like, uh, I need to talk to you about something. And I, I'm always like, oh, my God, I'm going to be fired. It's, it's always about something good, though. <laughs> but if my mom were to come to me and say this, it'd be over for me. <laughs> uh, my palms would start sweating. My, my heart would start palpitating. My stomach would tie up in knots. I would start feeling really, really anxious. My hands would start shaking. My knees would get wobbly. My tongue would swell in my mouth. And anybody who's standing near me would find out really quickly that I wear aluminum-free deodorant. <laughs> Now, kids, imagine that you are in your classroom, and everybody's quiet because it's silent reading time, and a voice comes over the speaker and says, Mrs. Harrell, would you please send so-and-so to the principal's office to talk? Well, you know what would happen. Everybody in your class would be like, ooh, and then you would get up and walk the longest walk known to man down the hall to the principal's office, Maybe you'd be wondering what you had done, or maybe you knew what you had done, and then that walk just became a little bit longer. <laughs> Nobody wants to be called out. I mean, especially by the people who we admire and respect and love because they know us, and we don't want to disappoint them. And maybe their opinion of us might lessen, or they might start to question our character. Maybe they won't trust us anymore. Or maybe we're afraid their love is going to be put to the test and they are going to confirm our worst fears that indeed we aren't worth it at all. Those are difficult feelings to grapple with. And they can be so powerful that most of us end up trying to avoid these feelings altogether. It's too much of a risk. We retreat. We hide. We conceal. We put on masks to show the outside world, there's nothing to see here. I'm fine. You're fine. We're fine. Everybody's fine. But what if we need it? What if what we're doing is destructive to ourselves or to the people around us? What if what we're believing is a lie that keeps us from living a life of freedom that we deeply desire? Now, I can feel you getting uncomfortable you're searching for the red vines and the popcorn under your chair from last night's movie to chuck at me. The Apollo hook is queuing up stage left to pull me off the stage. And I can understand why. Our scripture reading for today, in the wrong hands and with the wrong understanding, could yield and has yielded a lot of harm. And chances are there's even a few of us in this room who have had some painful experiences with the church. 
or with well-meaning Christian friends or with family that's caused deep shame, where their value was attacked and their place of belonging within the family of God was questioned. But I think that's exactly why it's important for us to explore this scripture together as we consider what it means to grow our friendships and our relationships deeper with each other and with God. Now, we've been in a sermon series called Language Lessons, where we've been exploring Christian friendship. In the first sermon, we learned how Jesus calls us into community and why that's important. Last week, we were challenged by the time we spend developing trust with one another and with God. And Christian community and trust are foundational for what we're going to talk about today. Our scripture passage comes to us in the form of a very dense and challenging letter written by Paul to the churches in Galatia, where he had been a missionary for many years before. He helped start those churches, so he's been keeping an eye on their growth and their development, just as he has the churches in Philippi and Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus. But for the church in Galatia, he's been hearing through the grapevine that there are some ultra-conservative Jewish Christians who are undermining Paul's message and the hard work that he had done presenting and teaching the truth of the gospel that through Christ we are free from the law. That the Spirit is among us and that when we live by the Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And that the kind of spirit fruit we bear is how we'll be able to live in harmony together in this new humanity, which is God's inclusive family. Now, after hearing that, these ultra-conservative Jewish Christians have been pushing the churches there to require the non-Jewish Christians to observe the laws of the Torah by being circumcised, by eating kosher, by basically following the 613 laws that are found in the Jewish scriptures. This letter is basically Paul saying to the Galatians, we need to talk. Look, remember when I was with you in Galatia, you loved me. You listened to me. Why am I hearing that you are doing that I told you not to do? Seriously. You're circumcising people in order for them to belong to the church? Do you hate me? I'm serious. He actually does say this. <laughs> Here's your reminder, Galatians. We've already settled this with the council, with Peter, and now I need you to listen carefully. Because of Jesus, you are free from the law. Live freely. Not to be reckless and do whatever you want to do, but live by Jesus' law, which is to love God with all that you've got and love others the way that you love yourselves. Live by the Spirit. If you're making the non-Jewish Christians observe the Torah, it shows me that you don't really believe that Jesus' work is complete you are binding people to the law, and that is a dangerous compromise to the power of the gospel. So hear me, loud and clear, Galatians, no more circumcision requirements. None of that counts. Only the new creation counts. So be that. And don't make me write this letter again, please. I'm pretty tortured as it is. Grace and peace to you, Paul. Now, let's imagine for a moment that... Paul didn't write this letter. What if he said, they'll figure it out. 
or I'm done with these fools. I told them once they should have just listened. What if he said, oh, that's what they get? Imagine how the church would be different today. Do you think it would have caused unity or division among God's family? Now take it a step further. What if the church didn't listen to Paul's letter? What if they let other voices that were stronger or angrier intimidate them into ignoring Paul? What if they took offense to this correction and wrote Paul off, blocked his number, unfollowed him from social media, just stopped coming to church altogether? What if they didn't understand that his heart for them and his responsibility was to preserve the integrity of the gospel and the new creation of God's inclusive family. This shows us that holding one another accountable according to the gospel is good and right. That being one, bearing one another's burdens with humility and love fulfills the law that we are intended to keep. Not the law of Moses. Christ already fulfilled that. But Christ's law, which is to love. Now, like a good missionary, Paul leaves the church with some wisdom on how to handle these tender and vulnerable moments of accountability with one another, as well as some things to watch out for. And this is wisdom that's not just for the beginning church 2,000 years ago. This is wisdom and instruction that holds true in application today. And I believe our application for building and strengthening our community of church at Kindred and for the church at large. Now, let's take a moment to refresh our minds to the scripture reading that Daniel read for us earlier. Brothers and sisters, if a person is caught doing something wrong, you who are spiritual should restore someone like this with a spirit of gentleness. Watch out for yourselves so you won't be tempted to carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they're important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. Each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job, not compare themselves with others. Each person will have to carry their own load. Okay, let's say that I'm the person who's done something wrong, or I believe something wrong about myself or about my God-created, God-image-bearing being or about the gospel, and you come to me to help me out because I'm caught. There's a few things that you need to have in your toolbox before you come to me to be a helper. Verse 1 says you need to be spiritual. You need to be living by the Spirit. Now, so far this morning, we've heard a lot of talk about the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit, uh, live by live by the Spirit. So here's a Spirit crash course for you. So we've got Holy Trinity, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, and the Spirit descended to dwell among us in the church. Now, in, uh, in the church world, we call this moment Pentecost. So Jesus is gone, but the Spirit remains, and the Spirit is a teacher and a guide, a discerner, and when we live by the Spirit, our lives produce good things called fruit of the Spirit. Now, 
gold star question. Is there anybody out there who can name the fruits of the Spirit? Shout it out. Faithfulness. Okay. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All right, those are all of them. <laughs> uh, you guys went to Vacation Bible School. I'm pretty sure all of you went to, to Vacation Bible School at some point. Good job. You get a gold star. <laughs> What's the word we see here? We have to come with a spirit of gentleness, right? This is a fruit of the spirit. And when you come to me with gentleness, you have to have a goal or an aim to restore me. So in order to help me, you need to live by the Spirit so that your life is producing the type of Spirit fruit that's required to restore me. And if you don't, if your life is not yielding the Spirit fruit of gentleness, you're not going to restore me. The chances are you're going to harm me. Now, notice the verb here is restore, not tear down, not put to shame, not condemn, restore. My mom, Sue, and her best friend, Judy, they were a pair together. <laughs> they were always into something, and they made my childhood really fun, really interesting, but really fun, because I was always in the back seat for whatever they were doing. <laughs> Now, one of the things that they would do together, uh, they would go dumpster diving. Has anybody ever gone dumpster diving before? Right? I think there's like a whole show about this now. <laughs> well, between uh, Judy's vision, she had vision for things, and my mom's gumption, they could take things that other people would throw away, things that were just complete trash, and they would bring it home. They would work on it. They would restore it. they do this complete makeover. I mean, Queer Eye had nothing on them. My mom's weakness was chairs. And she would drive by the side of the road and see a chair in a trash pile, and she would pick it up. It didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. She would pick it up. I mean, she drove my school bus in elementary, in elementary school, and she would, like, drive the school bus and see a chair, and she would pick it up and put it on the school bus. <laughs> I sat in the back. <laughs> and my mom would come home, and my dad, like a very wise man, would say nothing at all. <laughs> We had a collection of chairs. But this led her to take continuing ed classes at the community college. She learned how to cane chairs, which is like a real lost art. She learned the skills that she needed in order to restore these chairs. And then she would start giving them away as Christmas presents. <laughs> we had too many chairs. We never ran out of a place for people to sit, though, which is good. Now, what if she brought the chair home? and she whacked away at it with her tools, carelessly, not knowing what she was doing. Would she restore the chair? What if she was inspired for a minute because she saw a project, and then she got bored and busy, and then she tossed it in the scrap wood pile for the fire pit later? Would the chair be restored? What if she saw it there on the side of the road and she just kept on driving, thinking it wasn't worth the trouble? It was beyond repair. Would the chair be restored? No. Instead, she spent time with those chairs. She learned what she needed. 
with the goal to restore the chair to its intended created beauty and function. And she would come back to it day after day until the chair was ready to serve its purpose. And this is how we are supposed to restore one another, gently and faithfully, with goodness and with love, to bring forward joy together. Can you see how this might deepen our relationships with one another? If you trust me and I trust you enough to see where we are broken, to see where we are caught in a thicket of brambles, what that communicates is not that I'm so flawed because I'm sinful. We all are. We are all sinful. It communicates that I'm worth seeing, that I'm worth restoring, that my understanding and relationship to the good news of Christ and my freedom found there is paramount, and that our relationship in this family is worth your time and your energy and your care. Like, it does not feel good to be the one caught in the thicket. Sometimes we don't even know that we are. And I'm pretty sure that I'm the expert here at being caught in the thicket. I speak with authority. This is why it's important to have friendships in your life with people who you can trust and who see you and know you, with people who know your pitfalls and your hiding places, people who know the difference between your good and healthy boundaries and your self-protective walls. I sat across the lunch table from my friend, Wesley. We met regularly during a particular difficult time of my life. When we first started meeting, I had so many walls. I would let her see some of me, but not all of me. It was her persistence and her gentleness and her genuine love that finally allowed me to start taking down the walls. And that took time, like maybe a year. But that time built trust. And during this particular lunch, I, I was devastated again about something. And I was caught in a wrong way of thinking about God and about myself. I was caught in a way of thinking about myself that, that resembled shame. And from years of therapy and Brene Brown, thank you, Brene Brown, I call these my shame spirals. And I was, I was in a shame spiral. I wept into my Korean barbecue, and Wesley looked at me with so much compassion. But she also had this quiet authority, and she said, Candace, when will you stop putting these garments of shame on? In that moment, I heard Jesus saying to the blind man, do you want to be healed? It was a pivotal moment in my faith life and in my healing that brought me to restoration. And I can't think of a more beautiful example that illustrates what Paul is talking about in these short verses. Do you have someone like that in your life? I mean, take a, a look around this room. Like, even if this is your first time here, take a look around this room. This is a family. This is a great place, a very solid place, to find someone who can speak into your life. 
this is the inclusive family that, that we are called to bear burdens with. One next step that you can do to grow deeper in your relationships with one another, you can join the Bible study that's coming up next month. You can come to a kindred hangout. You could join a small group that starts in the fall. You could join a volunteer team. You give a volunteer coordinator a microphone and she's gonna ask you to volunteer, you know it. <laughs> but these are great ways to meet people. And this is how we've become friends with one another. And, and you start forming these type of friendships that we need. So Paul's given us some great advice on how to handle accountability with one another. But he also leaves us with some pretty practical and specific things to watch out for. He says, watch out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. Now, I'm curious, what is the temptation here, Paul? If I read it one way, it almost sounds like Paul is telling me that if you've come to restore me with your gentleness, then you need to be really careful because my sin is catching. I can almost hear Adam saying to God, Eve made me do it. But when I look at Christ's lived example, I see that we're not supposed to huddle together in our little Christian bubbles scared of the world. Now, the temptation that Paul is talking about here is not the temptation that if you stand too near my sin, that you're going to do it too. And we all need discernment there, but really. The temptation that Paul is talking about here is that you're going to look at my sin and judge me as if you don't have sin of your own. Or you're going to look at my sin and feel superior and self-righteous. I would never do that. Or you might be tempted to gossip. Can you believe what she did? Maybe you might just be tempted to ignore it altogether. All of these are very real temptations. We fall here. That's why Paul says, watch out. Because if you've come to me with your restoring tools and then you judge me, or you talk about me to others, or you think that you're more important than you are, not only are you fooling yourselves, but you're risking something really important, my restoration. This is not going to fulfill the law of Christ that we are called to fulfill. What's going to fulfill the law of Christ? The passage says, carrying one another's burdens will. Because the law of Christ is love. And if I am to love you as much as I love myself, I'm going to see your burden as heavy as it is, and I'm going to have compassion for you. I'm going to step in stride with you. I'm going to pray for you and with you. I'm going to call you and check on you, and if you go MIA, you bet I'm going to come and find you. I'm going to remind you that you do not have to carry the weight of this life alone. We all have our load. The scripture says it. I can't take your burden from you any more than you can take my burden from me, but we can be honest about it with one another. Because there might be some parts that I can shoulder the way that other people have, have shouldered mine. The beautiful design of community is that where my strength ends, your strength begins. Because today it might be me who needs restoring or support, but tomorrow, it might be you. None of, none of us in this life are free from burdens. And we're going to do that with one another on repeat because we're a new kind of family, an inclusive family, a family that doesn't shy away 
from bearing the hard things together. I know that there are some of you now who are carrying some heavy burdens. And I just want to say that I see you. If you need someone to step in stride with you to help you carry some of your burdens in this season, we do have something in our university church family called the Stephen Ministry. And these are trained people who live by the Spirit. And they are so honored to step beside you and walk with you for the time that you need it. Uh, we have one of those Stephen ministers in our congregation. And she's also on the care team. And I just wanted to, to make that resource known to you. Just reach out to Pastor Daniel, send him an email, and let him know. And he'll connect you right away with someone from the Stephen ministry. Uh, you can also, if you need some prayer, you can click the, the prayer request link in your online bulletin. And that's confidential. That just goes straight to Pastor Daniel. It goes to the care team. And they commit to pray for you. And there's even an option that you can check if you want to be contacted and somebody can, can call you and pray with you privately. Church, as we consider what it means to live gently and humbly with one another, to walk in stride with one another, let's take our cue from Jesus, who bore the ultimate burden of the cross on our behalf so that we can live free. Let us be encouraged today. Will you pray with me? God, open our eyes to see those in our midst who are hurting and who need restoring, just like Jesus did. Help us to live by the Spirit so that we can bear the fruit needed to fulfill the law of Jesus and be a gentle restorer. God, thank you for sending your son to bear the burdens that we could not bear for ourselves and for setting us free. Be with us now as we live into that freedom with deep compassion and care for each other. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Candice. Uh, as we move into this song of reflection, uh, this is a time.